Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. The town clerk's office has scheduled three precinct caucuses to fill town meeting member vacancies that have been caused by people who have either resigned or moved out of town. Caucuses for Precinct 2, which has one vacancy, Precinct 5, and Precinct 7, each of which have two vacancies, will be held at Town Hall on the evening of Thursday, October 17th. New town meeting members that are elected at these caucuses will only hold their positions until the next town election in April of 2020. More information can be obtained from the town clerk's office at Town Hall. Save the date. On Friday, October 18th, the Belmont Media Center is celebrating Community Media Day. Stop by the BMC Studios in Waverly Square from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. to listen to some local artists performing at an open mic session. And you can also enjoy some light refreshments. You can also sign up to perform at the open mic session by going to the Belmont Media website, belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in the Belmont Citizen Herald. We have with us today Joanna Juvelis, who is the senior multimedia journalist for the Citizen Herald, Belmont's print and online source of hyperlocal news. Joanna, uh, welcome. Thank you, uh, Roger. Uh, there was an early morning disturbance in Belmont recently involving a National Grid employee. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I sure can. It happened on Trollbridge Street at about 8.20 in the morning, and it was actually caught on uh, the resident's Nest doorbell video camera. And the resident happens to be former select board candidate Jesse Bennett, who a lot of people know. He's a very active town meeting member on the Transportation Advisory Committee. So the Nest doorbell camera actually shows this National Grid van drive past her home. But then it waits a few minutes, and it actually backs up and pulls into the space behind her parked car. And then it leans on its horn and blares, uh, blasts music out, out its window. So she comes out, and the rest she caught on her iPhone video, which we're going to show right now. Let's take a look at that right now. What's your name, sir, and why are you doing this? Excuse me? What's your name, sir, and why are you doing this? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Are you, like, drunk or something? No. Because you're acting like you're just I just hate all your s*** your car. Oh, that's really pleasant. Isn't that great? Very disturbing, don't you agree? Yeah. He was wearing a Trump 2020 hat which all National Grid employees are actually supposed to be wearing National Grid attire. And Jesse reported this to the proper authorities? She did, and, and she called the police and she contacted National Grid. Now, the bumper stickers that he was referring to on the back of her car support Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton and LG, LGBTQ um, Family Council, National Parks, and apparently he didn't like those stickers and he was making it very apparent by leaning on his horn, blaring this talk radio station, yelling things out his window. Even the Nest uh, doorbell camera, when her wife and fourth grader came out of the house to go to school and walk past his van, the Nest camera 
shows him yelling something out the window. We don't know exactly what he said, but he actually yelled something out the window. Meanwhile, Jessie said her daughter is okay. I mean, her wife is okay, and her fourth grader is okay. With, I mean, they they were they they didn't really realize what was going on. And has later. there been a community reaction to this? Very much so. Human Rights Commission responded right away because what happened was Jessie, her initial reaction was call the police, and then she said, "I'm going to." tweet about this because she wanted to get National Grid's attention about it. She was concerned about the safety of other people in Belmont and this National Grid employee being on the road. He, he may have been intoxicated. We don't know. We don't know. And has there been a National Grid uh, uh, response? National Grid did respond. They, they issued a statement. They said he, he is being dealt, dealt with. Um, We've we seen the video and this is very, you know, we, we know this was not appropriate and we are dealing with it, but we don't know what. I, I did hear that he was taken off the road. Okay. And again, Jesse was just very concerned about the safety of other people. So we'll stay tuned for, uh, for future developments. Yes, stay tuned. Uh, speaking of future developments, there have been developments with the airplane noise, or there are- A Little uh, bit of progress, yes. As you know- Years in the making. Yes. So six years ago, a lot of people know, may have heard that the airplane routes changed because of technology going from radar to GPS. 22,000 people in Belmont before June of 2013 had airplane noise, airplanes flying over their home. But after this change, it actually went down to 11,000 people, but it's more concentrated. It's going over the same homes all day long for, you know, like every two minutes, some people say they hear, for every two minutes for a full two hour period, they hear airplanes going over their homes. And here in the next few months, there are some decisions that will be made. Yes, MIT has done a study in 2016. They started a study that there's five different dispersion routes that they've come up with that could take away the concentration of airplanes and disperse them more. So this could mean that it could go back to the way it was and it's more evenly distributed and not as concentrated. Or it could mean people who didn't have airplane noise may have airplane noise, but it would be more equ equitable is the word I think they're using. They have, to, they have to vote on it, then the selectmen have to vote on it, and then hopefully in January, Massport will vote on it, and then it'll be in the FAA's hands and we don't know what they're going to decide. That's great. Thanks for bringing us up to date. <laughs> we have been speaking with Joanna Juvelis with the Belmont Citizen Herald. This past Wednesday, October 2nd, was National Walk to School Day, and the town of Belmont participated. The Belmont Journal was at the Butler Elementary School to learn more about this community event. So I worked with other parents to organize Butler's Walk to School Day. It's part of a national effort to promote kids walking and moving, getting physical activity, and also reducing our impact on the environment. There were, I believe, 12 parents who volunteered, and so we had uh, some parents who were driving the bus and some parents who were in the back of the bus, making sure that nobody got lost. So the walking school bus is a concept of when there's a lot of families in a single neighborhood, um, and the individual parents um, don't want to, don't have time or to walk their kids every day, then what usually happens is one parent will lead a large group of kids from the neighborhood to the school. Um, so that's what we're, we're waiting for now. One of the walking school buses that goes every single day, and I know there's a rotation of parents who take turns walking all the kids to school. 
I mean, I've had kids in the Butler School District for seven years now, and whenever it's been announced, we've always done the walk to school day or bike to school day. Um, I haven't been leading a walking school bus more. This is my second year leading a walking school bus. And I think it's very silly to, to drive a car just a few blocks away. I mean, I think it's better for our health, it's better for the environment. Um, I don't like ever getting into a car to only drive a couple blocks. So if I have to go anywhere in Belmont that's within half a mile or so, I usually try to walk or bike there. It's a day where we can all really celebrate that we live in a walkable neighborhood, walk together instead of by ourselves. So it helps to also build some community amongst all of us who walk, you know, at different times, all as we're all rushing to get to our jobs or rushing to go to other places after we drop off our kids. Today was a really nice day to create a community around walking. There are two big events during the year, and it's something that we encourage every week uh, that people uh, participate and really make every Wednesday, Walk to School Wednesday. Um, it's just something that we hope everybody will do every day, and there's two big events each year. I think it's just really important that we walk as much as possible. It's good for our health, it's good for the environment, it's good for kids to get going. Uh, and it helps to reduce traffic, which is a really wonderful thing. We live in a, in a really walkable neighborhood and our school um, doesn't really have much parking. And so it's really meant to be a place where people can walk to. Uh, so it's great that we can all join together and, and do this together as a community. Hello everyone, welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. We have with us Franklin Tucker, who is the editor and publisher of The Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Franklin, we have an old friend coming back at town <laughs> meeting this year, an article having to do with roll call votes. Can you bring us up to date? Sure. Let's go back in history. Let's go back to uh, April and May of this year when we had uh, when we were at town uh, annual town meeting, and there were some contentious moments uh, at that uh, town meeting, as you remember, where uh, people were asking for roll calls, and it seemed um, a little unusual because it's a roll call is something that you. It, what I should say is a roll call is when you, when uh, the act, when members have to actually present their vote. They have to cast their vote and their vote is recorded. So you know On what a person by person basis. That's right, rather than just an aggregate vote. Right. Um, and a lot of people felt that um, it was a little unseemly, well for Belmont it was unseemly, that uh, your vote would be recorded and it could be shown in front of people on somewhat contentious uh, votes. And people started saying that it was like vote shaming, you know. Oh look at these people, they're voting for against a popular uh, motion. Um, On so, the other hand, some people said it's just a matter of it's uh, just democracy. Yes. <laughs> well, what's, what, there shouldn't be any there shouldn't be any shaming. I mean, you should your vote should count because you are a legislative body. And if somebody elects you, they should know how you vote. Exactly. Okay. So now, uh, what happened is that the town uh, the town administrator, the town clerk, and the town moderator got together and said, "Let's let's just tweak the uh, um, uh, bylaw, and we'll present it to." Um, uh, the town meeting, uh, and what they have asked for is three changes to uh, the roll call uh, pr pr process. Uh, the first uh, will be that um, uh, the f the f uh, in, in terms of a final action that requires two-thirds votes, which means bylaws, uh, everything zoning bylaws, uh, zoning bylaws, uh, you will ha you will get a roll call. There will be an automatic roll call. Uh, the second automatic roll call will happen when there's a margin of less than 10 votes 
uh, between uh, the affirmative and the negative. Okay. Um, and if a member now wants to go forward with a roll call, they need a little bit more, they need more support. Instead of 35 members, there'll be 50 members. And also, there's also a, a, a part of reconsideration, which means let's look at this vote again. Uh, only somebody in the majority of the vote, if they were in the majority, they can ask for reconsideration, not in the minority. Yes. So it, it apparently, th this is a way of just saying, you know, we understand uh, uh, that there was contention and we'd like to just calm the waters. Also, a roll call will not be presented at town meeting. You can get the next day at the town clerk's office. The actual results. That's right. Uh, so it won't be displayed like it has been in the past. That's right. But what I heard you say is that this is coming from uh, the moderator and mm -hmm. uh, and staff. This isn't a citizens' petition. No, it isn't. This is something that uh, was uh, was something that was said uh, by the uh, uh, town moderator during town meeting, and he said I, we will come forward with some kind of uh, resolution. I mean, he said I, I understand that you know because he was making all the decisions. And some people said it was on the fly, but uh, so he said, let's let's codify these. Have you had a, an opportunity to talk to the proponents of the roll call voting? Uh, no. are, are they happy, unhappy, or <laughs> we'll find out? <laughs> we'll find okay. out in November. <laughs> so um, that that's that's where it stands right now. There, we will be getting an article. Okay, at the November town meeting, which is in uh, the middle of November that's, of this fall. That's right. Uh, not the uh, um, uh, not the uh, uh, supposed winter town meeting. Yes, let's talk about the winter town meeting. The uh, proposed February town meeting is no longer going to happen. Well, it is on uh, thin ice, to say <laughs> the least. Uh, uh, while um, I. Patrice Garvin, the town administrator, said that we certainly do have discretionary amount of money to, to, to hold these. As, uh, they use, as the town clerk has, has said, it's about $3,500 a night. It's now, uh, it's now coming up, the, the, the town meeting, which would be in late February, uh, is coming up very close to a presidential party uh, election um, uh, in November, uh, early March. I think it's March 3rd. So it really is a situation where the town and the town clerk's office is just too burdened by a necessary vote, uh, which is the primaries, right. the pr party primaries. So it, it, it's looking uh, like we just can't fit that in at that time. And, and to make it clear, the town clerk has real responsibilities with the primary elections and with town meetings. That is something that she cannot uh, push aside. Okay, so it's likely no, no February town meeting. That's correct. Okay. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, uh, the editor and publisher of The Belmontonian. Waverly Place is a privately funded community research center under the umbrella of McLean Hospital. On October 16th, Waverly Place will hold a free event at the State House to help people with disabilities find employment. Jennifer Hind, a vocational specialist at Waverly Place, spoke about the event. We're doing an event on October 16th at the State House. It's Disability Mentoring Day. This is the first time we're is bringing together all the statewide disability agencies. And it's basically an event that's going to be open to the public and it will be divided into three distinct areas. The first one will be a job fair. And all the employers present will be there to either talk about volunteer opportunities or potential employment. 
So the next thing is going to be uh, Secretary Sutters will be our keynote speaker and she runs all the statewide disability agencies. Also, there will be an information table. We'll have people from the Commission for the Blind. We'll have Easter Seals and we'll have Massachusetts Rehabilitation Commission and they will have all the assistive technology. We're going to have an area where people need some resume development, cover letters. They'll be able to go there and get some pointers and people will talk to them about how to do that. We'll also have experts there that can talk to them about if they've had a hard time with their disability finding employment, here's what you can do. Included in that, we're also going to have somebody from the Disability Law Center. So it's a unique opportunity where we have all the people of the disability statewide, many of the provider agencies all showing up and everybody collaborating together. And for me, the reason why this is important is a lot of times over my professional career I've seen people, doctors, therapists, family members think people that have mental health challenges or any challenges, they think they can't work. And they can. Years ago there was a gentleman who, you know, he sat on a bench outside. And the first thing we did is we worked at, you know, people talking with him and just showing him some compassion. Then he got a little more comfortable coming inside to Waverly. Then from there he got a little more comfortable and he started doing some of the groups. From there it grew to pretty soon there was a group he felt really comfortable in and he started helping facilitate it. Then he really liked it and before you knew it he was taking a class at Bunker Hill. Then he got a certification which ultimately led him to getting a job that he's held for now a couple years. So this is a person who if we just kept passing him by and ignored him and didn't do some outreach, he could still be sitting on a park bench. Now he's worked for a couple years. He's moved into a more independent setting. You know, he used to work where people told him when to go to bed, when, you know. So his whole quality of life has changed. But it meant that we had to pay attention, we had to listen to what he wanted, and how we could help support him best. And he took risk. He took risk. And it didn't all go hearts and flowers. It wasn't always perfect. But he took risk, and he continues to take risk. The Belmont High golf team is on to its new season. With tournaments starting in October, the team has been working hard to refine its strokes. BMC's Joanna Juvelis spoke with the golf team during its training. We got a great group of you know upperclassmen all the way down to freshmen. So we got seniors, three juniors, three sophomores, and, uh, and five freshmen. So we got a lot of young talent. Yeah, so we've been hitting the driving range a little bit. We've tried to play 18 holes before school year started a little bit, and then we're lucky enough to get out here at Belmont Country Club for, for quite a few practices, and uh, we're, we're thankful to be able to do that. And, we're just talking about the strategy of it and trying to work on our swings and you know get prepared for you know match play. Um, and I love seeing um, you know over the course of four years kids on the golf team getting better and better. And, um, and I think building their confidence and really hopefully 
being able to use that skill and some of those, you know, some of the confidence that they've gained through this sport and interactions with others um, out in the real world. Yes, we've been, you know, really pretty successful over the last, um, you know, I would say five to six years. Um, we've been competitive in the Middlesex League. We've won uh, four Middlesex League titles in that time. And uh, we're, we're trying to compete for a state championship. So we've gotten close a couple times. Um, third, fifth, last year we were eighth. And um, so we just keep trying to get ourselves into uh, position in the state finals in, uh, in October to, um, you know, to hopefully win a state title, Division II state title at some point. What do you think it takes to, to succeed in this sport? Um, I think just the number one thing is just mental. It's like, yeah, you have to be good, you have to practice, you have to have the right skills, but if you don't have the right mentality, um, one bad hole can ruin your whole day. What's the mentality you should have? Um, I think just optimistic, you know, knowing, um, kind of thinking about one shot at a time, not getting too ahead of yourself. I think it's really important because personal experience, it's happened to me many times and it's, it's not great. Golf to me is the ultimate challenge. You know, anybody can play and try to get better at it. It's just got to kind of work at it. Uh, it can be really frustrating at times, but yeah, when you hit a great golf shot, there's there's very few feelings like it. So I think that's what keeps everybody coming back. And here's BMC's Jane Peters to tell us about all there is to do in Belmont on our community calendar. Hi, I'm Jane and this is your community calendar for next week. The Russian School of Mathematics invites families to an open lesson on Monday at 6.30. Families can play fun math games, learn about RSM's philosophy, meet faculty, and participate in a real class. RSM Belmont School is located at 12 Church Street. Pam Steinfeld, an experienced song leader, guitarist, and keyboardist, brings some of the best songs of the 70s to the Beach Street Center. Pam is an award-winning songwriter whose repertoire includes James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Carol King, The Eagles, and more. You can dance away at this concert at the Beach Street Center on Tuesday at 1.15. Learn about snakes, turtles, toads, salamanders, and other members of the reptile and amphibian clan on Tuesday at 3.30 at the library. Habitat will be visiting with some of their scaly friends and you'll have the chance to meet some of them in person. Penguin Random House publisher representatives will be visiting Belmont Books on Thursday at 7 to discuss what's new in adult fiction and nonfiction for the holiday season. Get book recommendations from the pros for yourself or someone on your shopping list. The First Church in Belmont presents the Second Friday Coffee House on the 11th at 7.30. This month's performers are singer, guitarist, and songwriter Everett Pendleton and singer, songwriter, and BHS senior Soren Hallett. Proceeds from this month's concert benefit Waltham House, an LGBT group home for teens aged 14 to 18. Belmont High School's Performing Arts Company presents Broadway Night on Friday and Saturday at 7. This musical theater cabaret features songs and dances from the classic and contemporary show tune songbooks. Learn more at bhs-pac.org. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. Thanks for watching. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will see you again next time.